It's a joy for us this morning to have a young lady, Jessica Bryant, who has been in our district for four years. Um, she has heard the call of the Lord to work overseas as an international worker, and she is heading out to Japan, and she's going to be sharing a little bit more about that. Um, she's going to be commissioned, as you saw in the video, there's going to be 40 international workers commissioned at General Council on Thursday night. Uh, she will be there, so uh, be looking for her in the faces that are, are there. She's heading down Wednesday, and will be there at General Council for the commissioning service on Thursday. I recall Nancy and I. Back a few years, 1986, when we were just starting out and uh, we went to council, we were commissioned and we headed out to an amazing life, uh, adventure, nothing was expected as you went forward uh, and Jessica is looking forward to seeing what the Lord is going to do uh, for her there. So Jessica, come and share what the Lord has laid on your heart here this morning. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing today? I am really pumped to be here. I love talking about missions, and I love telling some stories. Who's ready to hear a story? Yeah. I am here to tell you a little bit about how I came to missions and what God is doing in me and through me and around the world and in Japan and through some other workers in Japan and the needs there. How's that sound to you guys? All right, so it's called The Call, The Plan, The People, The Need, and I'm going to start off with The Call. I was called at 12 years old, not long after I came to Christ, a few months actually to be exact, almost 15 years ago to be exact, I was called. It was on a Sunday morning, and there was a missionary couple who was at our church and talking about missions. I can't remember if it was the whole sermon or a missions moment. I can't remember anything, but all I know was there, there was one thing I heard and two things that resounded in my soul with one answer. The one thing I heard was that I can be a missionary. The two things in my soul that resounded was the love of God and the love of people that suddenly clashed together in a big explosion and everything inside me screamed, that's it! That's it, that's it, that's it. That's what I'm made to do. That's what I'm made to be. It's everything inside me. It's God saying, go. And I just was, I was so excited. I ran home. I stood in front of my dad in front of the television after church. I said, Daddy, I'm going to become a missionary. He said, you do that. What are you going to do about it? That question caught me. I scurried off to my bedroom. I opened my favorite book at the time. This is going to prove what a nerd I am. It was a cultural atlas. And I started looking through all of my favorite countries in the world, flipping to some of my favorite countries. And I think one of them was Portugal at the time. And I looked at the percentage of Christian. And I put air quotes around Christian because this counts everything from Catholics to Jehovah's Witness as Christian. And it was 30%. Oh, how can that be? That, that, no, that, that can't be right. 30%, that's atrocious. Little did I know that's actually really good. But 30%, how could that be? I flipped the page. 
flip the page. 10% flip the page. 5% started pouring through the pages. 1%, one of my favorite countries at the time, Japan, 0.5% Christian. And I broke. But I paused. I looked at the age of the book. It was two years old, and to me at the time, that was old as dirt, and so I had to go online and find some new information. And I, when I went online, it was worse than I thought. Not only was it 0.5%, probably far less than that, saved in Japan. It was one of the most open countries to receive missionaries in the world. Some of the fewest people that go there. I wept for weeks. I imagine the people there as valuable to God as my own brothers and sisters, as imagining in my head, this is someone as valuable to God as my brother, and I just wept. This is someone as valuable to God as my sister is to me, and I wept. And I felt God's heavy voice in my heart and mind. It was an Isaiah 6 moment. Who will go for me? Who will tell them? Who will let them know about me? I just felt like I had to put my hands up. Here I am, Lord, send me. Let me go where no one's going. Send me, God. And as I was progressing in my uh, brightest know-it-all 12-year-old mind, I was moving into 13 years old, and at 13 years old, I started doing more research, and one need thought, I need to decide on where I need to go officially and who I need to go with. So I started pouring through organizations, and I came across the Christian Missionary Alliance online. It's not very hard to find them when you're talking about missions. They're basically the best. Not just basically, they are the best, in my opinion. (laughs) And so I'm biased. I'm a little bit of an Alliance poster child. I wave the flags. I get so excited. I'm here for the the big missions rallies and everything. I wanted to go with the Alliance because of one thing. 80% of their workers are going to 80% of the most unreached people groups in the entire world. That is abnormal for missions, believe it or not. Incredibly abnormal. I thought, that's it. I want to go with them. They're, They're my people. And so I decided at 13 years old, I wanted to go with them. And I looked at the qualifications of workers online, how you had to go to one of their schools for four years. I was like, okay, that's the first thing I need to do. And I started looking at the different qualifications after that, having to work for a church for a few years, having to complete consecration or ordination. And I'm just like, okay, this is a big, heavy list. Let's start getting on it. And at 17 years old, I'm applying to Alliance schools. And then I found out... I was already part of an Alliance church for five years, and I had no idea. (laughs) God had me already where he wanted me, and he was ready to cast me off into missions. And I wanted to talk about another part of the reason that really, really drew me, not just this Isaiah 6 moment, but a need that Paul fleshes out into reality. This is why we go, and this is why we send, and it all boils down to Romans 10. I know I sound like I'm doing a little bit of a smash poem right now. I just rhymed, and I love it. But 
Romans 10, verse 13 to 15, one of my favorite pieces in Scripture. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then are they out to call on him whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him who have not heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? But how are they to preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Go. It was on me. God brought me through fire and hell. Just to, he pulled me out of the Northeast. He, he faithfully dragged me into missions. I say dragged. I went quite willingly. But he got me there. And it wasn't until I was getting ready to head out to go to school, I found out I was probably one of the first people called into missions through the Northeast District of the Alliance in around 13 to 15 years that blew my mind. God's hand was on my life. He said, go. Japan, the call, the plan. He started developing a plan, and I want to say I started developing a plan, but, you know, man makes plans, but God orders their steps. So I made my plans, and God ordered my steps. In the meantime, I started to complete all the different requirements I need to go overseas. I completed my four years of schooling at NIAC, and then when I finished that, I completed two years, ended up being more like three and a half years of uh, required home service up in Troy, Michigan. It's called an ALME. Some call it ALME. Some call it ALME. Some just say ALME experience. But I completed that, went through a whole consecration process, and here I am getting ready to fulfill God's plan on my life and go to Japan. The plan. What is it? If you would go with me to the next slide, please. This is a basic roadmap right now. There's some changes, and I'm very sorry. There's very tiny writing. I didn't realize how it looked like on a screen. So if you would look with me. I can't even read it off my phone. It's so tiny. There's a basic roadmap. We're going to talk about some of these things a little bit later, but I have a few things that need to get checked. Visa acquisition, fundraising training. I finished the training. Still waiting on that visa. We'll talk about prayer requests later, and that's at the top of the list. Active fundraising, going around, building relationships with churches and people, partnering with churches, building prayer networks, giving networks, all that fun stuff going, and I, you might be able to read it, it says 60% fundraising. This is part of a fundraising change in the alliance. They're requiring their workers to raise 45 to 65% of their compensation benefits in housing. It's called the CBH, and then the rest is covered by the Great Commission Fund. All right, so that's a very high level of what their change is, and that's what it's going to look like. But I was required to go and raise not 60%. This is old news as of Four days ago, old news, it is actually 45%, and I'm much closer to that goal than I thought I was, like, way closer. After that, general counsel and commissioning, that's next week, and I really hope, uh, I was going to say I hope to see you guys there, but I will see you guys, but you'll see me. I might be masked, but you'll see me. I'll be at the commissioning, and I'll be ready to get sent off, and then I have to go through language cultural acquisition training, which is another big daunting thing. It teaches us how we learn a language. 
And that was moved from in-person to online this year, and we each get very, very hands-on training distinct to the country and culture that we're headed to. I just started that this past week. And then after that, Lord willing, at some point in the near future, I'm leaving on a jet plane. Don't know when I'll be back again. Kind of just kidding. Second part of the plan. Next slide, please. I get there. And this is the complicated part about getting there. Because of COVID, the 40 new workers they were talking about are facing complications about getting into country, whether it's getting visas or just the ability to get there is being delayed a little bit. I was supposed to be heading out in August. That was what was talked about last year. And it's looking more like October this year. So I'm just going to loosely say fall, okay? Fall sometime, Lord willing, they will get me there. And when I do get there, the first part of the plan, I don't know how many um, new missionaries you've dealt with, but it's the first two years they are required to go through language school. And that's their one job to learn the language, learn the culture, so you can be as effective as God wants us to be on the field. And if that process gets, starts, we start feeding all these other jobs and things and responsibilities into it, we start messing up on our language track, we're not going to be as effective as we can be. So this is one thing I love about the Alliance. The first two years, the rationale is learn the language. That's my one job. Got it? I've been hungering to have one job for a little while and have no other responsibilities and not go crazy with all these other things. And so I'm going to find it a little bit refreshing and very <laughs> excruciatingly difficult. But first job is to learn the language. Next slide, please. Those are my first two years. The second two years, we're talking about partnering up working with people both in the national church and other IWs on the field to work towards church planting. And what does this look like? This looks like doing outreach in my immediate community. This looks like engaging in my skills and passions, engaging in uh, the community's passions maybe, and working together going and saying, hey, you like kayaking, let's go kayaking together. Hey, I like biking, let's go biking together. It's called just living missionally with the people on the ground there, engaging with them where their heart's at, engaging with them where their need is at, reaching out, giving the gospel, sharing with them where it hurts, seeing people come to Christ, Developing small groups and Bible studies, raising up leaders, setting them up, and letting them loose for the kingdom of God. And so on and so forth, we repeat this process. And I know I'm just giving you a very theoretical look at things. I don't know what it's going to look on the ground when I get there. I don't know if I'm going to be engaging in creative arts ministry. I don't know if I'm going to be trying out... Uh, Japanese poetry at some coffee house. I don't know what I'm going to do quite yet, but I know generally my call and mission there is in and with church planting. And what that looks like is it's going to be interesting. And I can't wait to be a part of that. And I can't wait for you guys to be a part of that. I'm going to, you guys can talk to me after service about getting updates. I have my little prayer cards and all that fun stuff. So if you're interested in that, find me after service. So next slide, please. 
the people. This is my favorite part. <laughs> because I love the people of Japan. They have been on my heart since I've been 12 years old. I love Japan. I love the Japanese. And when I got a chance to go there in 2014 and an internship, it was made all the clearer. God has laid the Japanese people on my heart. Japan. Why the Japanese? Why go there? I talked about 0.5%. What does that actually look like? Next slide, please. 126 million people, 790,000, 126, 790,000, that's a lot of people. Of that, 0.5% is 633,950. We lost three zeros there. That is not a lot of people. There is a lot of need in Japan for the gospel. People are wrestling with hopelessness. They have one of the highest suicide rates in the world. And be sure, it is no better off because of COVID. I don't know how much you guys keep up with news and what news you listen to, but there was an article released, I think, by CNN in October last year. More people lost their life by suicide than by COVID for the entire duration of 2020 in Japan. It's a big issue there. There's wrestling with hopelessness. There's wrestling with an economic crisis. There's wrestling with a declining um, birth rate. More people are dying than there are being born every year. It's a national problem. And these problems and things weighing on their mind, all I see is they are in desperate need of this one word called hope. They're placing it in things. They're placing it in material consumerism. They're placing it in each other. As long as I have my family, I'm good. As long as I can take care of my children, I'm good. As long as I can see this next generation raised up, I'm good. But how fragile is that when one of those things falls away unless they have the eternal hope of Christ? Unless they have the eternal hope of Christ, they are stuck at grasping at everything they can get their hands on to maintain some assembly of hope. Japanese people why go there? There's a lot of reasons why. God's heart is why. The need is why. Why did the Alliance go there? It's probably a very similar reason. They're one of the last reached people groups on the face of this planet and one of the most unreached. It's considered a missionary graveyard, not just in the Alliance, but all over the world. People go there, they see such little fruit, it ends up burning out a missionary and they send them back home. Hopefully, God's got a bigger plan in Japan and I know he does. I know that these small seeds will one day grow not into a tree that they say will just grow and become part of the Japanese swamp, as it is so called, but a seed that is planted in their land that grows into mountains of faith. 
I believe God has a plan to grow mountains in Japan. And it's going to be glorious, whether in my lifetime or in someone who's coming up at my heels going to Japan. God has a plan for the Japanese people. The need. I've reached the needs section, and I'm going to try to be quick with this and summarize it as best as possible, and I'm going to talk about five big ways we can reach Japan and the needs I have and we have and they have, and we can reach it using five simple things. Pray. Pray for the Japanese people. I can't tell you the pow- how powerful God works through prayer. He does things when the people of God get on their knees and plead to him. He does things through prayer. Pray for the people of Japan. Pray for the workers in Japan, because like I said, it's one of the darkest places in the world, and though it is a first, country, uh, first world country, they still have to deal with the spiritual oppression of the world around them. Maybe even hopelessness and uh, despair themselves as they may have been working there for years and years and years. Or even getting there and trying to crack what seems like the hardest ground on the face of this earth. They need prayer. Pray for the Japanese people to open up their hearts and ears to God's word. And pray for the workers. Pray to raise up new workers for a next generation of people heading into Japan. I believe that I'm not going to Japan because out of my own efforts came to the answer that Japan needs help and I took initiative to go. I believe it was the answer of prayers of hundreds of faithful Believers in Jesus Christ who saw the need there and asked God for workers for the field. Because guess what? I am not the only worker going to Japan this year. There are four units getting sent out to Japan this year. Hallelujah. There are more. I am in a Facebook group of people who literally have been feeling called to Japan for most of their life. I find it no coincidence that a lot of us are from the same generation. This is God's answer to prayer. He's raising up people to send to Japan. And this is what God can do through prayer. Pray. Second thing, give. Give to the Great Commission Fund. Give to some of the 40 new workers who are being raised up to go. Give. And this could be of our time. Give of your finances. Give relationally. Give, what is the word? It's technically, I can't remember. Of your experience, of your knowledge. They might have an issue, a worker in Japan might have an issue, and they don't know how to deal with, say, it's a legal issue. Maybe you have some semblance of experience in the legal world. And whether or not it's in America or in Japan, some people need some good godly insight on places where we don't have expertise. Give. And now there's a need here in giving, financial need. Like I said, the alliance is changing over into a new funding process, and that is 
the workers, new and old, have to raise 45 to 65% of their compensation benefits in housing. That counts as Great Commission Fund giving as much as giving directly to the Great Commission Fund does. I know it's kind of a, my brain, my brain got fried and I'm still figuring it all out, but there are ways to give to any international worker you feel like you've been wanting to support all this time, but give directly through them, through the Alliance, or just give to the Great Commission Fund. I don't need to drill this in your heads, I hear, because I hear you guys are very, very passionate about the Great Commission, and I'm really, really appreciative of that, and I love seeing people on fire for missions. So, without further ado, without further ado third point, send. Send people. Send the 40 new workers. Focus on that effort. Send someone from your church there might be someone who's growing up next to you, someone who might even be sitting next to you who has expressed some call to missions. Send them. It's not the national office that has their hands in sending people. It's not the schools that has their hand most in sending people. It's the church. It is the house of God. It is the community of God that rally around someone to send them, just like in Romans 10. How can someone go unless they are sent? Send workers. Fourth point, go. If you're feeling this call, whether on short term or long term, God's expressing a need in your heart and in your life, and he says, who will go for me? Who will tell them about me? Go. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your uh, experience in life. It doesn't matter. If God is calling you to go, go. Explore that. If God is calling you as a child to go, don't ignore it. Explore it. Explore what God is calling you to do. Fifth point. Let go. This one I find the hardest. There's a lot of things, either if you're called or if you're sending, you got to let go of. First thing that comes to many people's minds is relationship. One of the biggest things that get in the way of missionaries going overseas is relationships. That can be parents, loved ones, personal relationships, someone you were thinking about uh, marrying one day, those get in the way. If they are against you going into missions. And I can't tell you how great a blessing it has been having my parents stand in the doorway allowing me to go. It's like them standing against those big old church mahogany doors that weigh like a thousand pounds and have like the Bible literally etched into them. And they're just standing and holding them open for me to pass through and go. That's, that's the best way I can explain it. Them letting me go has freed me to be able to complete God's mission and call on my life in a way I, I can't even describe. But in the process, I too have had to sacrifice time with them, time with a sister who is uh, literally dying. She has a terminal illness and I have to go. <laughs> Sacrificing dreams, 
And like I said, it goes both ways. Parents, are you ready and willing to let a child go when God calls them? Are you willing to let them go to the dangerous places of the world? Are you willing to let them go and potentially face what seems in your eyes like financial ruin? I have worked my whole life so that you can have one. Are you willing to let them go? That's a hard thing to do. But God works through it when we let go and allow God to do what he wants us to do. So I'm going to Japan. Next slide, please, and you can skip to how can you best pray? These are my personal needs. This is the second part of this need. How can you best be praying for me? First point is visa. It is a little complicated to get a visa in Japan, but it's extremely easy to get a visa in Japan, specifically for religious workers. It's one of the last places in the world you can get a religious visa. How about that, right? I can go completely without any denial, without worrying about how this is going up on Facebook, that God is calling me and bringing me to Japan, and Japan is fully willing to receive me. This is what I meant by it's one of the easiest countries to get into. You, it's not a problem to get a visa there. But this year, concerning COVID and the drama concerning the Olympics in Japan, there, there's a little bit of tension about entering there, so pray for that visa to be able to pass through. Second point is funding. I've been, again, since starting off on my own two feet and going with the Alliance, has been a little bit difficult figuring out this whole funding process. It's, I don't have relationships that go back years and years after my first, second, third, fourth term to go back and explain this to. It's, I'm just going <laughs> from the ground up, and I'm actually very close to that goal, but still in need. Uh, for anybody who's willing to commit, either in giving annually, monthly, or whatever it would be, or just to the Great Commission Fund, hallelujah, if you feel like you've been led to give, give. Pray for my family. Pray for my family as they're letting go and dealing with uh, not going to see me for maybe two, three, four years. I say two because there is a possibility of my returning to visit them after two years because circumstances with my sister, but they're wrestling through it. Pray for them. Pray for my preparation process, my language acquisition training thing. There's a lot of acronyms I still can't remember in the Alliance, and some of them are these, but my language acquisition, pray for that. And pray for faith in the unknown. I don't know what's happening. Like I said, it's coming up what seems like very close to the send-off date, and I still don't have a ticket, right? I don't have a sending date. There's a lot of unknowns, and it's all concerning things like COVID to uh, the new finance system to this whole training. There's a lot of unknowns about going. Pray for me through the unknown that I would have patience and flexibility and that God would be able to do what God does best. <laughs> Carry me through it. So, that's how you can best pray for me. 
thanks. Thank you guys for letting me up here, for allowing me to share my heart for Japan with you guys, tell my story, God's heart for Japan, his heart for missions, and what we can all do together about it. Thank you. And last thing I just want to plead, I just need partners. Partners who'd be willing to help in the sending process because how can I go unless someone sends me? Will you partner? Will you be a part of this? Will, it's part of the Great Commission. It's part of just God's work, specifically in Japan. If God's putting that on your heart, would you join me? Because even though I'm all the way over there, I'm all the way in that little, what seems like teeny tiny nation, which, by the way, is the size of California, maybe a little bit longer. It's big. This map does not reflect that. Even though I'm all the way over there and we're all the way over here, we are a part of the family of God, the Christ-centered, Acts 1-8 family of God. And I'm not doing this alone. I'm not going over there alone. Because even though y'all are over here, you're still with me. You're a part of this. I just wanted to encourage you guys in that. So... Thank you very much. You guys have a wonderful day. Talk to me afterwards.